All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Questlove Supreme. I'm your host, Questlove. We got to... Yeah, we still got Team Supreme with us. Yeah. Uh, what's up, buddy? How are you? Doing good. Doing good from the uh, from the east, from the east coast. Doing well. Looking forward to All this. Right. Yeah. Wait, you're you're in the east coast? Yes. I'm doing... I told you this is the vaccinated visit, buddy. Everybody's vaccinated. Yes. Mama, daddy, well, everybody. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back home. That's nice. Thank you. Uh, uh, I'm Pay Bill. You okay? I'm also vaccinated. I feel fantastic. Everything's yes. good. All right. Fontigolo, you, you cool? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Enjoying uh, some grilled chicken and a salad. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not trying to live better, you know? Yeah. Right. I'm on day 12 of salad. Just salad. Uh, what's up, uh, Steve? How, how's it going? I'll be the only honest one here and say I am stressed out. <laughs> Let's do this anyway. <laughs> Everybody lying. I know. I want to get this feeling. done. No, we're not stressed out. We're, we're, we're putting good vibrations out there. Um, I will say that our distinguished guests uh, are the founding members of the legendary Grammy Award winning Fifth Dimension. Um, of course, during the mid-70s, our guests left the group and paired down to a duo. Uh, released several uh, Grammy caliber songs like the uh, Inescapable, You Don't Have to Be a Star to Be in My Show, Your Love, I Hope We Get to Love in Time, Shine on Silver Moon, plenty others, seven Grammy nominations in total. Um, I would actually paraphrase and say that they are, they are, Jane Beyonce are the uh, Billy and Meryl McCoo of, of now, not the opposite, that they are the Jane yes. Beyonce. Yes. <laughs> yes. For real. They, they are absolute happiness and joy. I consider them the, the first couple of, of, of pop and soul. Their marriage has been strong for 50 plus, uh, 50 plus years, I, I believe, uh, 52nd uh, coming this They're July, this year right anniversary. Right right. Yeah. That is amesing. And they're still releasing music, ladies and gentlemen, which is incredible. Uh, They released a new collection of uh, Lennon-McCartney compositions aptly titled Blackbird, uh, songs that were inspired by the turbulent 
uh, experiences that we've been through in the last uh, year or so in 2020. What else can I say? Oh, not not to mention uh, they are a vital part of the. Uh, I hear it's an excellent documentary uh, called <laughs> Summer of Soul <laughs> about. Uh, Rumor has it. Cultural Festival 1969. I, I hear it's good. You know, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Rumor. Ladies and gentlemen, please. I, I hear this the, is the week it comes out, too. Oh, really? <laughs> it, it comes out this week? I hear it comes out this week. That's amazing. All right, cool. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the legendary, the legendary Billy Davis Jr. and Marilyn McCoo to Quest Left Supreme. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Quest. Yes. So glad to be here with you all. Listen, Thank the, you. you said you heard about the documentary being good. You heard right. Ah, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go see it. I, I gotta see it for myself. Receive your flowers. Those, all those things you said about us. How much do we owe you? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I owe you guys. I owe you guys. I I really, really, really do love you guys. Actually, you know what? The one story I don't. I know a lot about you guys, but can you guys describe? I know that you guys were uh, acquaintances. Before you got married, of course, like no one starts off being married and then starts, you know, with friends. Can you guys describe the first time that you met each other? Do you guys remember the first day you met each other? I don't. Uh, I you don't, don't remember the first wow. day you met each other? Oh, it's like the newlywed it's game. This was to hit him on the head. With the- <laughs> well, don't forget. Don't forget. It was 50 some years. Uh, okay. Okay. And I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. no, what are you trying to say? Yeah, oh, no, <laughs> wait a minute, baby. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep it spicy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when we got married, I was never going to speak to him again. And guess what? I was walking down the aisle and I looked into his face and I saw red eyes. Uh oh. Uh oh. Shots fired. <laughs> Bachelor party was, uh, okay. I get it. I get it. So you remember up to that? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> You remember up to that point, okay. Before we before we met, I had been hearing about this guy from St. Louis because Lamont McLemore from the group and yes. Ron Townsend yeah. from the group uh, were all from St. Louis. And they were talking about this guy named Junebud who was coming out from St. Louis looking for a record deal and that he could sing. Right. <laughs> and that's Junebug, I see. That's so, you're, so, so, so you're not from St. Louis? Who, me? Yes, I, I am. No, no, no. I, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, no, uh, Miss McCoo, St. Louis. Yeah, that was okay. in the group. Yeah, so so the the group was formed by, uh, and we should also note that uh, Ron Lamont McLemore. Oh, uh, I'm not Ron. I'm sorry, Lamont, Lamont. McLemore is Beauty uh, of the Week, baby. The the legendary. They what now? Beauty of the Week, Jet Beauty of the Week, page forty two. He he that's, he's that's a man. He's a photographer or something. He was yeah. the original Started. Instagram. Shut yes. up. <laughs> Yes. Oh, Still, y'all just even, okay. even to like when whenever Jet went around. Uh, uh, I don't know when Jet stopped uh, mm. his publication, but he went to the very end. So yes, right. shouts out. Right. Lamont Lamont took all the pictures of uh, not all of them, but most of the pictures of that the the the, the women in the bathing suits. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the middle of Jet. Yes, I and know the beauty of the week. He even that had my that childhood. study career, even at the height of Fifth Dimensiondom. Like, right? He was he was still doing that. Yeah. How can one juggle both and still <laughs> and still do that? I'm also in the mind state that once you're in the fifth dimension, you're touring all over 
like nine months out the year, but he was able to maintain both on a weekly basis? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, he would, I don't know just how his setup was, but okay. uh, he was definitely still doing it, you know, and still making our rehearsals. And sometimes when we would be out of town, he would be off and we had a day off or something, he would find some young lady to shoot, you know, take, take out somewhere and shoot her, you know. With, and with he was his, his own agent. That's incredible. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the running jokes anytime that you guys were on any show was finding uh, Lamont a, uh, a wife. That's always been like the running joke in any Fifth Dimension interview. Like was this uh-huh. was this bachelorhood like legendary in the seventies? Like pretty legendary. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> did yes. he eventually get married? Yes, he did. He's been oh. married for a number of years now. Yes. Okay. I, I was about to say. No, Very just lovely. just based on my fifth dimension research, like every time that was like a running joke. Did he did he get married yet? Is he still a bachelor? <laughs> okay, I get it now. Well, well, Lamont was always the, the one in the the, the the male in the group that always had these long range plans with these young ladies. You know, he would meet a young lady and he always tell her, "Well, I got some long range plans for her." You know, so that's 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 why we always tease him about getting married. He was uh, always waiting and waiting and waiting, but it, he finally did get married. Yes. Okay. What year did the group officially form? I know that you guys were under the name the the Versatiles. It was the Versatiles, correct? That's right. That's the That's way we right. started. Yes, yes, and that was in 1965. And then why why was it changed to the Fifth Dimension? Well, um, we were getting ready to come out with this this uh, song with our first single, and uh, the uh, the man who was the head of the record company thought that that the versatile sounded kind of old, that we needed something edgy and new. Uh, and so we all went home and uh, we were supposed to come back with, with creative ideas for new, a new name for the group. And okay. Ron Townsend and his wife came up with the name, The Fifth Dimension. And when we first heard it, everybody loved it. And we, so we voted on it because we voted on everything in the group. Mm-hmm. And Fifth Dimension won out hands down. Was there like sort of a, a cosmic kind of definition was it supposed to intentionally be like psychedelic because of what the times were during that period or yeah pretty much you know we were five members of the of a group and and, i think ronald man was talking about uh, uh, dimensions 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 sound dimension yeah well he they decided that the fifth dimension was was supposed to be be sound the fifth dimension was sound so we said okay that makes sense yeah oh okay i see did you guys at all i know that um Bell Records was a label um, closely associated with um, uh, Arthur Shimkin and also with, uh, I believe, Clive Davis started or at least worked there at that time period. Did you guys work with him at all or have any dealings with him or was he at Columbia by this point? Actually, we, we, well, we didn't work with we Well, didn't, we did work, we did work, we with, did Clive work with Clive, minute, but right. just for a minute. You know, uh, actually, uh, Soul City was the, was the name of the label. And, oh, okay. and that was the one that started the group. Yeah. And then uh, when and then Bell Records came in. Larry Utah. Larry Utah was you, the president. Do you remember of Bell that Records. name? Yeah, I know. I know that name. Yes. Yeah, Larry Utah actually started Bell Records, and uh, the Fifth Dimension was still there. Right. And then uh, then uh, some transitions took place, 
and uh, Clive Davis came in. And, right, and, and when he came in, he turned it into Arista, correct? Right, yes, exactly. that's what yeah. happened. Right. Oh, okay, I see now. I see now. I think one of the I think one of the guys at at uh, Bell Records was Irv Beagle, wasn't oh, it? Irv Beagle, yes. Yeah. He, he worked with Clive. He worked, he worked with, with, with Larry, Larry Utah. Yeah. 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 Okay. In the very beginning, yeah. In the beginning of the group, who decided the direction? Because you guys had a really somewhat sophisticated, elegant. Uh, sound sort of a step ahead of I guess at the time like Motown was was the leader of a more classier version of soul but you guys were definitely kind of a step ahead of that like who decided the the direction of the group and how do you guys approach your creativity well, one of the things that happened is when we first started the group it, uh, and, and, and and called ourselves the versatiles uh-huh. But we did that because we were all different. We, all of us were different singers. I was more gospel, R&B, blues. Merlin was more pop. And Ronald was more operatic sounding. Florence was more pop. And Lamont was uh, uh, more of a bass kind of singer and and, and, and and more of a pop singer. So when we we, we decided, we, we started as the person, but we went into it as more of a jazz kind of opportunity to do to just create just different types of music mm-hmm. and uh but when we got signed with johnny rivers we carried that sound with us right on into the record company and so when he suggested that we do go where you want to go and we said well from the mamas and papas that was a cover for us and we said well we, you know it's not going to sound like motown you know <laughs> we, we, were, we were we went into what, what was happening for brothers and sisters you know Right, and, and, and even though we never we had a different sound, that was the kind of music we were looking for. But he said, "No, let's try this. It'll be a hit." And when he said it'll be a hit, well, everybody was looking for a hit. You know, everybody, every artist want a hit, if it's, even if it's Pop Goes the Weasel. You know, <laughs> right. we, we, we want a hit. You know, so Jam. we did go where you want to go, and it came out with more of a soulful sound. But not like the pop mamas and papas, but it it created a, a, a sound. Okay, I see that. Um, I got to say that um, because of my my uh, weird obsession with the song uh, MacArthur's Park, I know that was written by uh, Jimmy Webb. Yeah. And if you kind of look at his catalog, his Wichita Lyman. Yeah, like Wichita Lyman and all that stuff. Like. It, it, it's like really weird, unorthodox songs. And uh-huh. I know that he wrote um, Up, Up, and Away. Yes. Uh-huh. So, like, at the time when you were approached, how did that song come into, into the sphere of the fifth dimension? And what was the deciding factor that, okay, this fits us? Because it's, it's kind of, even though it's it's a hit, it's a really very weird, specific song. Like, we're going to sing about balloons air balloons or whatever like how, how did how did that how did you guys come across that song well you know um uh mark gordon who was the uh, group's manager uh introduced uh johnny rivers who who was the owner of soul city records to okay. jimmy webb because uh he was saying we need somebody creative and new and different and mark had worked with motown records and had left motown and uh, 
it's, it's a long story about how we all met, but he liked the group. He liked our direction. And he said uh, that he wanted to manage us. So, uh, so when he was talking to Johnny Rivers and he said, and Johnny said, we need somebody young, new, different. Mark said, there's a very talented young man who was trying to get some of his songs recorded at Motown. His mm-hmm. name is Jimmy Webb. I'd like for you to meet him. And so they met and uh, we ended up working together on our first album, mm-hmm. which uh, was called Go Where You Want to Go. Well, right. actually, it ended up being called, being called Up, 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 Away. Up, Up, Up and Away. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so we were, we were uh, working on some music and, and there was a hot air balloon festival that took place down in Palm Springs on, over a weekend. And Jimmy went down to that, that festival and he came back so inspired by what he had seen that he wrote a song. And he wrote this song called Up, Up and Away, talking about the balloons. Right. And mm-hmm. so he played the song for the group. And we said, oh, man, that's a wonderful song. You know, it's a happy feeling. It makes everybody want to dance and feel good. really good. Right. It'll never be a hit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I just thought it was going to be filler, like just an album yeah, cut. Right. Right. We thought, we thought well, you know, we, we were still listening, waiting for some Motown stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Up, up in a way, we say, man, that, that'll never be a hit, you know. And uh, come to find out it was it was a, it was a big smash for Huge us. for us. And it won us what four five Grammys? Well, we won four Grammys yeah. and then wow. uh Bones How uh, well no Bones wasn't a producer on that. Yeah. Mark, Mark Mark and Grammy. Yeah. Mark and uh Johnny Rivers and, won produ- production yeah. Grammys and Jimmy Webb won it for the for song. song right. Yeah. Now I remember you guys previously telling me before that when you guys uh, won the Grammy for the song that you weren't too sure like how important the Grammys were like or if it was a big deal like in in the late 60s were the Grammys as big of a prestige thing as we hold it now or was it just like oh that's nice we won a Grammy what's a Grammy exactly <laughs> that, that's what we thought well at that time the Grammys weren't being televised no so so the record company was so excited. Oh, you all have been nominated for Grammys. And we said, that is so cool. What, what's That's a Grammy? A Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't even know what it was, you know. And uh, but but after we won the first Grammy and got uh, behind all that excitement, the next one we were we were in line for it. We were ready for it, you know. Oh, okay. We were for Grammys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Uh you you guys mentioned Mark Gordon, because I'm I'm like a fan slash aficionado of Soul Train. I know that oftentimes, like uh, if Al Wilson was on the show, uh, Don would talk to Mark, or um, uh, he was there. I think during the Staple Singers episode as well. So like I'm familiar with Mark Gordon. Mm-hmm. The thing was, I I didn't know that he was married to uh, Florence Larue during yes. that time period, but. I was also shocked for you guys to go to the levels and the heights that you've gone to. Even in my mind, I thought, wow, they really had a, like a, a powerful white manager. Uh-huh. How, mm-hmm. how was it? How was it that Mark was able to work his magic as, as a manager? And, you know, he's managed everyone like name it like uh tony Ar- this also probably explains why you and tony orlando and dawn also had your variety shows like what was mark like as a manager that he had like further further reach than your average manager where he can get his acts 
even past mainstream, but just in, in spaces where you normally don't see black acts? Well, Mark had a lot, you know, Mark came again from the Motown background. And yeah. so I'm sure he learned a lot when he was there. And he he was running the West Coast office mm-hmm. of Motown Records. Okay. And that's how we met him. And he was also a producer. And so we were hoping that maybe uh, he would produce uh, a record on the group and we would end up at Motown. But again, uh, for one reason or another, that uh, Mark and, and Motown uh, agreed to disagree. Mm-hmm. And so Mark came and said, I'd like to manage you guys. I like, I like your idea. I like the sound that you have. And I think I can do something with you. And then he and Johnny Rivers, Johnny Rivers, who was, a, um, who was more of a country singer, mm-hmm. had some major hits, but he loved R&B. And he wanted to produce some R&B music. So he came to Mark and he said, why don't we co-produce some projects together? And so that was how they ended up producing us. And that was how we ended up recording Go Where You Want to Go and then Up, Up and Away. And Mark introduced Johnny to Jimmy Webb. So so Mark Mark was a visionary in so many ways. He was was definitely a good manager. And I think the popularity of the group is what kind of got him in, in the in the position to be able to open the doors because don't forget he was our personal manager but 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 we also had an agency oh, okay. that opened the doors too like William Morris you know with our popularity we would we would we would we were going pop you know you so had the we, best we, of the we, best yes we, and we were right in the middle of that so uh all the doors were opening for the Ed Sullivan shows and the all the all the all the, the white shows that was that was that was happening, they wanted to fit the mention. So what, was it ever um, a struggle? Okay, so one one of the, one of the uh, kind of uh, career highlights for most black acts that I've spoken to, um, especially that have starred in the '60s, um, most of them were being groomed to play the Copa. That was mm-hmm. like. Like one thing is surviving the Apollo. The other thing is being able to play the Copa, which, yes. mm-hmm. you know, I, I can only imagine that 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 was a prestigious thing. Um, was that necessarily a goal for this particular group or was that not kind of in, in your radar? Everybody yeah. wanted to play the Copa. Yeah. Everybody wanted to play the Copa. But what happened was. Uh, we got, there was a, another club in New York. Well, actually, it was yeah. it, it, it was a club, but it was a room. Yes. In at the Americana Hotel. Mm-hmm. At, 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 at the, it was called the Royal Box. The Royal Box. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And they they ended up hiring us, and we would work the Royal Box every year, right during prom season. You know, so they knew that the Fifth Dimension would pack that place every year. So it was for three or four years straight. That's where we were at. So I guess the uh, the Copa, once they knew we were at the Royal Box, they never tried to book us. They there. never tried to book us. Oh, okay. So wow. we blew our chance yeah. by working at the Royal Box. But you know what? It was great because because of the Royal Box, that's how we ended up with finding uh, uh, Aquarius. Aquarius of the sunshine is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I I know this legendary story, um, and it's definitely one of the highlights of Summer of Soul. Could you uh, please share with our audience the 
the circumstances that actually led you to recording uh, The Age of Aquarius, Let the Sunshine In? And this is a show enough true story. Right, right, right. I, I can't believe it, but I, it's amazing. A lot of people think we made it up a stage, but we can't, you can't make up nothing like this, you know? No, you can't. No, you can't. We were working in New York, and the funny thing is that I went out to shop. And, 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 and coming back, getting out of the cab, I, I, I lost my wallet and it fell in the cab. So I came upstairs in the hotel room and, and I told Marilyn, I was looking at my pocket, I said, baby, I, I lost my wallet. And Marilyn said, oh, well, you can forget that. You're in New York, <laughs> you ain't gonna never see that wallet no more. I said, oh, right. And so about an hour after that, I got a phone call and the guy said, is this Billy Davis Jr.? And I said, yes, it is. And he said, I got your wallet. <laughs> oh wow. My God, a wallet. And I, I got all excited because he had found my wallet. And I told him, I said, well, just hold on to it. I'm coming to your house and, and, and get it. So I went to his house and I, and I offered him some money. He didn't want the money. So I invited him to come and see us at the Royal Box. Okay. Perform. So he took us up on that. So after the show, he, he came to the show, him and his wife. And after the show, he came backstage and he said, man, you guys are beautiful. It's wonderful. I love the show. He said, since you were so nice, Billy, I'd like to invite you to see our show. I said, what show? <laughs> Come to find out, he was one of the producers of Hair. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. He had been trying to get in to see Hair for I don't know how long. No seats. It was like, it was like, that was like the Hamilton of of, of work. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Hamilton with skin. That was right. lying trying to get in to see hair. Right. And in the well, it was the first time they ever seen people naked on stage. You know? mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So everybody was dashing, you know. But uh, but we finally got in. He invited us over to see it, and we saw this young kid by the name of Ronnie Dyson mm-hmm. singing Aquarius. And when he 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 filled the auditorium with that beautiful voice oh, of his. Yes. And when he when he did that, we all heard it right then and said, "We have to do that song. That's a fifth dimension song. It's going to be a hit. It's going to be a hit. That's what was <laughs> the first time we ever said that. It's going to be a hit. And sure enough, it was the biggest record that we had ever ever recorded. That's amazing. Wait. So, so how did it how did it go from the stage to your song though with that strain with the producer? Like, well, well, we, oh, yeah. we called we called our producer who was Bones Howe. Yeah. And uh, we said, Bones. And I mean, everybody, when we got together in, in, at intermission, we were all, all five of us in said, agreement. this is going to be a hit. <laughs> so we called Bones and said, Bones, we found our next hit. And he said, what's that? And we said, Aquarius. Aquarius. He <laughs> said, well, I don't know. He said, there's a lot of people that have tried to make a hit out of that song and it hasn't worked. Uh, okay. And we yeah. said, but the fifth dimension the didn't, didn't sing it, it you know. <laughs> so determined to record that song. So he said, Well, let me let me listen to it some more and see what we can come up with. So then he came back to us a little while later, a couple of weeks later, and uh-huh. he said, I think I have an idea of how to make this work. And he came up with the idea of taking Aquarius and putting it together with another song. Let the sunshine in. Yeah, let the sunshine. Yes, in, let right. the sunshine in, which was called, from the song called Flesh Fingers. Flesh Fingers, right? And uh, by co- combining the two of those together, we ended up with the biggest hit of our careers. 
Yeah. Oh, so Let's the Sunshine in was not a part of hair. I, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, yeah, yes. it was a part of it was hair. a part of hair. Part of hair. Yeah. Oh, wasn't together. It okay, was, you just uh, all right. It was, it was, it together. It didn't sound like the our part. I, what we did with the Let the Sunshine in. As a matter of fact, the way that they did it in the show was yeah. that Let the Sunshine. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those. Oh, real slow and okay. The sunshine, and it was a sad song. Yeah, right. But Bones came up with the idea of making it more joyous. And then when we were in the studio recording it, then he said, okay, uh, the group was singing it like, let the sunshine. Then he says, okay, Billy, now go and take it to church, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was going to say, yes. Yes. That's amazing. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, 
their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. On, on an average, how many how many gigs? What Just from a touring standpoint, I know touring from more or less like doing five straight months, like living on the road, never coming home, like after five straight months or whatever. But could you describe to us like what was, what was the, the gig circuit like during that time in around 1969 uh, for the group? Like how many, was it mainly just one nighters or was it, you know, concentrated time in America? Then you go to, other parts of the world? Like, what was the average touring season like for the Fifth Dimension? Well, it was more about America, about the United States. We played right. a lot of college campuses. Right. We okay. did a lot of, a lot of uh, concerts. We dressed, we we got dressed in a lot of sweaty locker rooms. <laughs> locker rooms. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. You come in there, you come in there after a game, after they left from a game, and it would be lit up. You know? <laughs> 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 but you know, but you have to go in there and you get dressed and you know, being young, young, you know, you you get past that, you get out there because you're worried about doing the best you can do when you get in front of that audience, you know. We, but yes, we, we but we did we played we clubs out, too. We, we played, played clubs, but yeah. we were out on the road maybe about oh boy, seven to eight months out of the year. We yeah. were on the road. I mean moving constantly. Okay. We also played Las Vegas. Yes. And uh, which which a lot of the artists weren't doing, but that was one of the uh, one of the offers that we got, and uh, we ended up uh, playing the main room uh, as Caesar's one of the Palace. opening acts right. for for Frank Sinatra, and, yeah. and that was another way that we were introduced to the uh, to the country at large. And then we did a lot of uh, we did a, we did a number of concerts just around around the country, and uh, a lot of riding around on buses. Right. Really? Okay. When when you're doing uh if, okay, if you're opening for Frank Sinatra, I know that um we interviewed uh the Jacksons some time ago on the show and I know that their experience with doing Vegas was that, you know, they had to sort of expand their repertoire somewhat, do more show tunes, do more Some white ballads people yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> would you have to change the show f- specifically for a Vegas audience, or was it pretty consistent? The same show that you would do for colleges were they the same for Las Vegas or your well, nightclub act? We wouldn't do the uh, for colleges. We would do more of our uh, our recorded uh, material. Recorded, yeah, right. Our hit okay. songs that were recorded material. Then we would mix mix up our show with with uh, songs that were were high rhythm, high energy, and and uh, Billy would get out there and start singing a lot of his soul things, and Florence right. and I would be there dancing and shaking. Right. <laughs> so but, it changed. It depended yeah. upon where we were working. We would, yeah, we but, would change it. But, but for Vegas, we would do uh, a more of a, a, a production kind of a show. You know, we, we, we would put some production uh, quality into the, into the show, like uh, uh, a song that we did Called "Old to Old to Billy Joe," you know, and each mm-hmm. each one of us took a part 
So it looked like a theater piece in Vegas and, and it kept the, the audience right there, you know, because it, they wanted to see what each character was doing, you know. Right. And then after that piece, we would come up with one of our hits or something like that, you know, bring them back down to where we at, you know. So, mm. yeah, we would do that. You we'll know. also know that you're one of the few acts that, um, you know, doing doing a residency on Broadway uh, is usually a, a special occasion. I mean, it rarely happens now. Like Bruce Springsteen ha- had, had a one-man show recently before the pandemic mm-hmm. on Broadway. But you guys were definitely one of the, uh, the first acts to do like a residency there. Well, I, th- I think I'm trying to lead up to why you two were so natural when you guys got your own variety special in terms of like doing more than just performing your songs, like jokes would be, you know, in the show and little ske- sketches and whatnot. Like, did that prepare you for that? Especially with, with when you did your Broadway residency or. We had a wonderful oh, man by the name yeah. of Renee DeKnight who, who worked with the group and helped, mm-hmm. helped. He taught us a lot okay. about the entertainment business okay. and, about what made what made shows work, and uh, we would get together and and come up with with songs that Renee came up with the idea of "Ode to Billy Joe." You remember that? Oh yeah, he was the one. He was the one who realized that, right. that there were five characters and that in the song, and that mm-hmm. and we were able to put those five characters together and and uh, do that song. And uh, he had been with a group called the Delta Rhythm Boys, who were very very successful uh, in in Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, when he came and saw us and saw what we were about, he just felt like I, you know, he wanted to work with us and teach us some of the things that he knew about how to make live shows really work for your audiences and how to mix the the music up. And Renee, I, uh, we give a lot of credit to Renee for helping to teach us about the business and about how it worked and and how to make it work. You know, when you talk about when we did that residency on Broadway. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah right. we were working with a dancer. His name was JoJo Smith. You remember JoJo Smith? Can't say I've heard of him. No. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> well, JoJo Smith had a dancing company. And one of the members of his dancing dancing company was a young woman by the name of Debbie yeah. Allen. Oh. Hey. Wow. And that was how we met Debbie. And yeah. um we, when we did our residency, we were on Broadway for a month and yeah. uh, we had came up with the idea of having a, a dancing company be our opening uh, for the show because again, it was a nice balance and a difference of, um, of uh, entertainment and, and it made for a very entertaining show. And um, that was how we, that was, that that's, was that's, what we did on Broadway. That was a That, that fun, was the beginning of Broadway. Yes. Yes. Yes, it was. Ah, I see. I see. Can, can I just ask, how did you, I just want to know how you guys figured out your like physical aesthetic, like for your live shows, for your album covers, like what was the decision behind the outfits and how everything would come together? Well, you know, when, when, it, when it came to, to our live shows, we, we were known for wearing these different type of outfits, mm. you know, <laughs> right from the beginning. I mean, you know, they dress us funny, you know, <laughs> but they would dress us, in the same colors, but more to our personalities, okay. you know. So what was your color? What was your color, Billy? Outfit would be a little different. Yeah. And, and, and that, that was our theme, you know. And, and then all of a sudden, they got a little bit more sophisticated. 
as we as we stayed into the business more lo- longer, you know, they, they became sleeker and you know different Fancy. different colors like that. Then they would and they would put those on album covers and and I guess the the, rec- the record company would say, hey, you know, put it on the album cover because if they see an album, they'll know they'll know it's the fifth dimension. <laughs> oh, okay. I would love to say that you know the idea for that of dressing in different uh, different in the themes was actually Lamont's, mm-hmm. Lamont Macklemore. Because oh, one time we, we were getting ready to work in a club in LA mm-hmm. and the, the group was not was not Known famous at that. at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had this job, but we didn't have any outfits. And so it was like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? So yeah. Lamont came up with this idea. He said, hey, well, everybody has got something black and, and white, white. Yeah. in your closet. So why don't we take take an outfit and everybody wear black and white and you just wear whatever you want to wear. And, and that yeah. was what we did. We worked yeah. that night at that club and we all had on black and white. And there was a guy in the audience by the name of Boyd Clopton and he was a designer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he came backstage afterwards and he said, I love your idea. Yeah. You know, you took this theme mm-hmm. about black and white, but you each wore your mm-hmm. own personalities. Right. And he said, I would love to try to design something for you. He said, would you let me design an outfit using that kind of idea? And that was how that evolved. And he would come up with sketches and different things like that and show them to us before he would make them, you know? Yeah. We would, we would okay them and And each that, one, that each it. outfit yeah. would be uh, more in keeping with the, with the personality of, yeah. the, of the singer. Wow. How long did he stay with you guys with making oh. that? What was the Boyd was with us was for a long about, time. About seven, eight years. At least, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm glad you asked that. Like, I always wanted to know. Oh, yay. Well, I love your questions. You know, there, there were so many amazing things that, that happened. The people that we met, the people who came involved, became involved with the group, the people who crossed our paths. And I, it was truly, I feel like the fifth dimension was truly blessed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I always wanted to know. Okay. So I know, again, in today's, uh, the times that we live in today, there are entourages, there's, you know, assistants, there's wardrobe people, there's blah, 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 blah. But I know that at least back then it was sort of like self-contained and artists were responsible for their own outfits and whatnot. So when when you are extensively touring and you have these outfits and whatnot, like how do you, how do you, how's the upkeep? Like, are you guys the ones that have to, Iron your stuff oh. before the show, run to the cleaners in between cities and whatnot. Like, or was there a wardrobe person on detail? No, no, we, we there's no way could we had done what we were doing because we we ended up having to take a wardrobe person with us on the on the road, you know, oh. and they they took care of all of while we were doing our sound checks and getting into the theaters and different things like that. They were backstage taking the outfits out of the trunk and. Steaming, so you guys were high level. Okay, I get it. Hell <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, James wait, Brown show, no, they, they did their own stuff. To that point, was there ever pressure on you, Marilyn, and Florence to make sure that y'all looked as amazing as y'all did in these outfits? Oh, well, we, you know, we 
we would sit in that in that mirror and make sure we look <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah they they, yeah, they, they was, were under a little pressure there but i mean was, not to know. not to not to make the iron the dresses and iron the guys that, no 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 <laughs> no i meant to look good in the outfits not to yes yes that's what i meant well, oh, we yeah. tried our best, and of course, uh, with uh, with Boyd coming in with his his ideas of, you know, looking at our bodies and and trying to figure mm. out what's going to work best right, on yes, our bodies. Right, right, right. You know, well, that's that's the great part about having a, having, having a designer because they 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 fit the the the, the outfit to your body. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm learning. Yeah. That's a grown up thing. Learning about tailors and whatnot, and having things <laughs> grown up. That's great, yeah. man. No, <laughs> no, you're right, Amir. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Wait, uh, okay. I know. Okay, so I know that that uh, Laura Nero wrote the song, but I always wanted to know. And you know, I've seen you guys perform it millions of times on the show and and whatnot. But the the significance of Wedding Bell Blues and and its popularity, I'm I'm certain that you guys always get asked like. Was was this song just a platform for Merlin to put Billy on the spot about marriage and whatnot? Even though I believe you guys were probably married at the time, we or sixty nine is when that came out, so it was the same year. Yes, yes. it was. Yeah, who, whose idea was it to to do that song and the whole "Marry Me, Bill" and all those things? Like, because it was kind of unheard of at the time, where it's in reverse, and the woman is asking the man to. For you know, <laughs> when you gonna get to marriage? Well, actually, Laura Nero wrote that for a, a bill in her life. And, uh, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I thought and, you customized it just for the years. I didn't realize that. Okay. No, actually, no, no, no. you know, she wrote it and she released it as a single, and it 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 uh, it did well in California, but not across the country. Because Bones Howe, our producer, came to us with the idea of, you know, Billy and I were going together. Mm -hmm. And he thought, oh, how cute it would be for Marilyn to sing Wedding Bell Blues to Billy. So, and, and we said, but Bones, it's already been out and it wasn't a hit. He said, no, it wasn't. He said it was a hit in California. He mm -hmm. said, but it wasn't a hit across the country. Mm -hmm. So we went in and recorded it and uh, put it on the album and it ended up being um, picked mm -hmm. as one of the singles. Wow. I see. I now I, I read in another interview uh, that you two did that Marilyn, you were the one that was actually a little skittish about marriage, but Billy was all in. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I was all into it. I, you know, but uh, you know how many bills that I've met since, since we got married. <laughs> Man, for real. Uh, because you guys were bandmates before you became married, was there? ever ever hmm. a thought of this might be a conflict of interest like if you're dating now then if we break up then is it going to be awkward in the group like how what was the awkward factor because i mean you guys have been in the band since 65 but you got married in 69 like what eventually led to that marriage how how do you maintain a, a business relationship and you know keep the 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 marriage happy, so to speak? Mm -hmm. mm, answer that. Well, no, I I, I need uh, tips. Billy and I started becoming friends. That's right. When we we would go to rehearsal together, and we would 
we spent a lot of time driving back and forth to rehearsal. And, and not only that, but after rehearsal, sometimes we go to parties. And Billy and I found ourselves spending a lot of time with each other, just talking and laughing and talking about our lives and, you know, how we felt about music and how we wanted to sing all of our lives. And what we wanted to do in life and, you know, just sharing it with each, each other, our dreams, you know, and, 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 and our passions. But, but uh, we would be at parties and party would be jumping in Maryland and mm. we sitting on the couch talking. People must have thought we were so weird. You know? <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. No, that's good stuff right here. That's love. We were just into ourselves, you know, and uh, we've been like that ever since, yeah. you know. So we were we were friends. Yeah. And then when we started really kind of realizing that it was d- developing into something more than friendship, we kind of thought we said to each other, "Are we going to mess this up?" Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, this is a dangerous thing to do, you know. Mm-hmm. You're going to mess this, up, this thing up because, you know, you can create a mess in the group that's 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 going strong, you know. we All we need is a big argument, you know, it's anything crazy, mm-hmm. and it's over, you know. But uh, but but by that time, we we couldn't stop. No, our friendship, you know? our friendship was, was, was stronger than anything else. Yeah, you know? and, so. and, you know, my parents... My parents had been married for 24 years and then they got a divorce. And I thought, I don't know, this marriage thing is just kind of <laughs> scary. Right. But, we, but, but you know, on the other hand, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't worried about it because my parents had been married for 68 years. <laughs> wow. Wow. From now on, you know. That's a lot of pressure on your kids. Yeah, man. I was curious to know how y'all keep from, say, if y'all have an, an argument or a disagreement about something in the studio over something musically or something in your career, how do you keep those disagreements in your personal, in your professional life from bleeding over into your personal life? That's a good question. You know, very good question, because those things have happened, you know, but uh, when they do happen, we have to realize that that's a, that's a moment. That's a moment in time. Those things happen to people who are in the in the industry, especially people who work together. You know, there, there have been times when when things has happened for one and 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 hasn't happened for the other. You just have to live with that. You know, you, right. most of all, you have to be thankful. The easiest way to get over that is be thankful for that one that's getting it. Mm. You know, and uh, that, and then you can get over it right quick. Uh, uh, being thankful. Did it always come that easy to y'all? Figuring no. that part out? Okay. Well, you know, like sometimes before we'd go on stage, Billy and I would be angry. We'd be locked in battle before oh, yeah. we went out on stage. Oh, yeah. Right. Then- but then how do you sing Wedding Bell Blues to him? Because I know. <laughs> and, and you want to kill him. I, I know that song is such a staple for your careers and you have to sell it. Like you're singing to him and he's doing the acting or whatever. Like if if there's an argument that happens, how do you sell that song? Well, you if know, you can't, you can't take that out on the stage. No, you can't. And so we'd say, I'd say, you know, we're, we're gonna not finish finished. This. We're going <laughs> to finish this thing. <laughs> you know, that, that's always the word. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we will. You know. <laughs> <laughs> when you get out on stage and start singing, it disappears. You can't sing, you can't sing and, and, and be that. angry. Right. Mm. But could you be angry afterwards? Like if you had done all that on stage, like could you, yes. could you? 
Could you get back yes. to that? Yes, wow. Marilyn said yes. Yes, <laughs> boy. Very wait. easy, Bill. I can't wait till we do the new edition episode because I got a story for you for that. It was over. I was like, now we got to get back into this, and then you get backstage and you say. What are we working on? I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> I work with my girlfriend. It's the same thing. Like, I don't know. What are we arguing about? And then, and then you forget Feathers. about, you know, hey, it, it wasn't that big anyway. You know, yep. most, most of the arguments that, that couples have are petty. They really are. But until you think about it, when you, once the argument's over and you get away from it and you think, well, what was that about? Why did I do that? It didn't mean nothing. If I could have only thought about that before we got into it, but a lot of times our egos won't let us do that. So we've got to carry it out. Mm. Yeah. We can win the battle, but you might lose the war. Listen. Wise well. words. Write that down. Wise words. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But in a, in, a, in a group, from a group standpoint, and it's five of you, how are you guys able to, like, is it all of us have to be unanimous in, in deciding on something? Like, how, how are sort of decisions made for songs or album titles or you know can we make this gig like is it is it democracy or is it like is there someone that actually is the the alpha leader of the group that makes this decisions for the hard things no it's a democracy yeah, you know, we used to we used to laugh about yeah. uh, we used to say laugh about how we would say we met more than the UN. Yeah, because right. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a democracy. I mean, yeah. we uh, we agreed the the the, the one who uh, the majority who who came up with it. They, they, that was the way we went. Yeah. You know, yeah, we 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 talked about all of our jobs. You know, we agreed to disagree, whatever. Yeah. But but most of the time, like with with the things that pertain to uh, to the career part, like with the, the title of the, the album and what were the songs, the final songs that were going to be on the project. Most of the time, the 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 record company would make that decision. Mm -hmm. OK, you know, we, we would work on it and then we'd say, you know what, we're not record. You know, we don't know how to run a record company. Right. We know how to make the music and let them choose what's gonna what's gonna sell well that was probably the best that was the best way for the group anyway because putting all five people together talking about which one is the best one out there you know then the fight started <laughs> I, I see <laughs> yeah we don't want that yeah well that okay so that leads me to 1975 what was the process of you two leaving the group and going duo well, you know that was a that was a tough uh, decision. Okay. Very tough for us because don't remember all th all three of the guys from St. Louis. I mean, we were like family. We knew each other when we were kids, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of migrated to Los Angeles at different times and uh, end up being in a group. And so and 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 and, and meeting Marilyn and Florence and being a part of the family. So they we were like a family. But we were a family who's who had dreams. It's mm -hmm. like any family, somebody who had dreams. Like my whole dream was to come out with to, to be a solo singer with, with Motown. You know. Right. But Merlin's dream was to be a solo singer with whatever recording company she could get with that would receive her as a as her as a solo singer, you know? Okay. A mm -hmm. pop singer. But and uh so we thought about it and then after 10 years, 
We thought, will we ever fulfill the dream that we really started with? Uh, you know, will we be the ones to come up with the saying that said, if I had only, I should have, would have, should have, I should have, uh, you, know, mm -hmm. you know, you always have it in the back of your mind. Could we have done this on our own? You know, so we decided. And then at, at the particular time, there, there was there was everybody in the group wanted to do more, you know, so right. that that thing was happening, you know, so we decided, well, you know, it's, it's, it's about time for us to, 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 to kind of strike out on our own and, and see what we can do by ourselves. Did you guys still maintain the friendship after uh, you guys left the group in 75? Yeah, yeah, yes, we did. It took a couple. It, it took a couple of years before we, you know, because there were hurt feelings, yeah. and and okay. uh, which was understandable. We could understand that. But uh, we're very close as family now. Oh yeah, you know, okay. we got Wait, through that. Because who are we, the still surviving members? Just uh, who's still surviving along with you guys of the group? Is everyone still alive? Not everyone. Ron Townsend has passed away. Oh, the, the, aka the big one. The one with the beard. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's the way. And all the rest, the, the other four are still living. That's what's up. Is, is alive. In fact, we talked to her but day or so ago. And okay. Lamont uh, is staying in Las Vegas. We talked to him not too long ago. So we, we, we are we still, we still very close. We're yeah. very close. Yeah. Okay. I have one fifth dimension question that actually has to do with when you guys left left the group. Okay. But I'm hoping you can answer this for me because it's been killing me. Okay. <laughs> so this came out when I was five years old. So I really, even though I kind of had a, an adult's knowledge of music at the age of five, uh -huh. it this always killed me. Am I, am I dreaming or did the fifth dimension actually have a version of Love Hangover mm. before Dinah Ross did? Because I could have sworn I've seen them on American Bandstand doing Love Hangover. You're right. And I was just confused at the time, and it's almost like I didn't hear of it. Am I dreaming of that, or? This was after Billy and I had left the group. Yeah, after you left. I, I was just hoping you might know the answer to that. Okay, right. yeah. we're going to give you the answer. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't dreaming. Okay. No. <laughs> did have a version of Love okay. Hangover, and Florence sang the lead on it uh -huh. right and they released it as a single right but, um right around the same time uh motown decided to release diana ross's version of, uh, of love, uh, hangover. Love, love, love hangover right and that's why you were confused right. as a child because you said wait a minute now so, I knew I wasn't crazy. It doesn't sound too different. Singles. Yes. My, oh, you're listening to it right? Yeah. Wait, I, why did I just bother to? It's on yo, YouTube. Mir, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, wait a minute. I'm yeah. asking that question. And I was like, never once did it occur to me to. Yeah. Never once did I <laughs> did it occur to me. Why don't you just YouTube or Google it? Yeah. <laughs> you're learning, Amir. One day. No, that's yeah. dope. You're going to the source. Why not? No, but I was saying, like, like I remember them doing it on American Bandstand. I remember my mom really loving that song when they did it. And I remember them doing it a few times on, like, variety shows. And then, like, yeah, when I was in first grade, like a year, when I was six, then suddenly, like, oh, it was Diana Ross's song. And then in my mind, I was like, wait, was I watching Diana Ross do it the whole time? And maybe not, but I knew... 
in my mind, I always associated love hangover with the fifth dimension. Uh-huh. I just thought I was moans and all though. Is the fifth dimension version with the moans? Y'all could y'all put the moans in there too? Or? No. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So in going solo, well, first of all, let it let it be known that the very first time that I ever uh, saw Jay Leno was on the Billy Davis Jr. Marilyn McCoo show. Could you? Mm-hmm. All right. So for our listeners out there that are that are listening, can you explain the? the value or the importance of the variety show in the seventies. Like I know that now we live in a, a reality show kind of uh environment. But when I was growing up, I remember like Gladys Knight and the Pips having a variety show. <laughs> I remember Flip Wilson, mm-hmm. Tony Orlando and Dawn, like Shields and Yarnell, like everyone had the Jacksons everyone had a variety show what was the like was that a desire for you guys or was it like this is going to take you guys to the next level what was the big deal with variety shows yeah i think that yeah i think that that was that was the thing to do at that time yeah i think that that we were basically the first black couple to really have a a variety show Mm -hmm. yeah in the industry you know and uh it was a summer replacement show and we, mm-hmm. we had six shows to do and we, and we, and we completed that. And, uh, but, but doing television was, was, was good. The only thing that, that, that was a, a little, a bit confusing for us was having to learn songs so quick, you know, because for the television, you have to learn the song almost like that week and then perform it that, that, that week, you know, and uh, we used to spend a little bit more time on songs to kind of make those songs us, you know, make it, make it, we could get some meat out of it, you know. Right. But, but that, that was the only thing. Outside of that, we were ready for it because we loved, we enjoyed doing the skits and, you know, all of the funny stuff and the, the, the love songs. And yeah, it was good. It was good. But that, us being the first one, then I, after that, a lot of these other shows start coming on. Yeah. But like you were saying about Jay Leno, so so what we did with our skits, uh, because you always had to have a little humor in the show. Right, right. And uh, so the idea was, since we had spent so much time on the road, why not make the road experience be part of your your humor yeah. in the show? And mm-hmm. uh, Jay Leno came along. He was a young, unknown comic at the time. And we ended up, he ended up being our, playing uh, our uh, tour manager. Our tour manager, right. Right, and, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and he would always give you guys like weird assignments that was yeah, like yes, yes. yeah we i remember lost that <laughs> we get lost somewhere you know on the road right. <laughs> yeah i totally remember that yes. and you guys would end the show the same way right like you guys would say good night like was it in like in bed like yeah oh, that was like it would be like at the end of the day yeah, like right you know like, and getting and, ready to say good night to one another yeah. you know singing a song singing right. a love song, a love song to you, and right? then turning out the light you yeah. know yeah. right <laughs> Wait, you said that was only six episodes in the summer? Yes, right. yes, yes. That's so weird. Like, in my, again, like, in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, that that was on for like four or five years. I, no, no. no. I, well, I mean, we watched it religiously in the crit, in the house. So, okay. Mm. I see. That's, that's the power of television because, you know, they, show, they can show them over and over and over. 
and reruns. Yeah, and people think that they're happening. There's some. There's more than just six. You know. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are you guys aware of the kind of the, the status I'll say that in, in like uh, dance hall reggae culture, I hope we get to love in time kind of has a, a, a different meaning in the islands. Like that song has been covered so many times by like various singers in Jamaica that were you guys even aware of how big that song is over there or at least the amount no. of covers? Like there's a least. No, we had no idea. That's we don't, amazing. We, we, we've never heard it. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> yeah it's 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 almost it's kind of like a staple like that's 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 one of the ballads you have to sing if you you know if you're kind of in the the at least around like the early 80s suddenly there was like just mm-hmm. an onslaught of i hope we get to love in time uh-huh uh, no, no idea wow, no we didn't know it yeah oh okay yeah i was gonna say that with uh with your love and you don't have to be a star to, was it was it different or did you guys at least have more creative control in the songs that you wanted to do outside of the the the, the bell uh label where they mostly made the decisions for you what was the difference in coming to abc than it was for bell well basically you know when we when we were a, a, with abc uh Otis Smith was the uh it was a, what you call this his position. A and R? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. And, okay. and uh, when he when he picked Don Davis to be our producer, but oh well, yeah, but well, yeah, Don Davis he produced a uh, uh, I hope we get to love in time mm-hmm. album. But he would he came to us with a bunch of songs, and you don't have to be a star was was one of them. And uh, quite naturally, when we heard that, we thought, boy, this is this is clever. You know, what a great saying. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you don't have to be a star to be in my show, you know. And it just it just seemed a bit, you know. And But we always thought that I hope we get to love in time would be the statement that we wanted to make because Marilyn and me had known from the love songs, you know. And uh, come to find out that uh, you don't have to be a star was the, was the major hit. Was the hit, yeah. Yeah. And then behind that became, came, the another hit was Your Love. Yeah, Your Love and your little gospel uh, <laughs> riffs at the end of it. <laughs> I, 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 I used to sing that a lot in second grade, sorry. <laughs> Do you remember at all, um, I'm, I'm a big fan also of um, Frank Wilson, uh, oh, his production work, especially what you know, he worked on like a lot of uh, Eddie Kendricks's uh, solo stuff. Yes, he yes. was the prime producer. What was it like working with Frank Wilson? Frank was a good friend. Yes, yes. Frank was not only a good friend. But, you know, Frank ended up becoming a a, a, a preacher, a pastor. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yes, and, yes, uh, he, did. he was he was very instrumental in Maryland and me becoming Christians. You know. Oh, and okay. That was his assignment, I guess, in his life to, to bring as many, <laughs> as many entertainers to Christ as he could, and and, uh, and that was a good thing for us, you know, because it's one of the things that really kept us even closer than than what we really are. All right. It's, wow. It's our love for our, faith, our, our yeah. faith, you know, and but Frank was the producer of uh, the Two of Us album that, okay. that, that we did. And we found out later on that there was a song on the, on that album called uh, "Wonderful," right? And uh, it was more of an R and B flavor, you know, kind of kind of song. And we found out that that song was a major hit in Germany. We never <laughs> we, we never even knew it. Oh, really? No, okay. we, we never knew it. We, we we were on a ship doing a doing a, a, a cruise, and this German guy was on on had come. And he asked us, he said, you guys going to sing Wonderful? <laughs> we looked at him like he was crazy. And you had no idea? <laughs> we, had our show. we hadn't even thought about it, you know. He said, yes, a big hit in Germany, a big hit. <laughs> wow. But one of the fun things about working with Frank was that uh, we, lo- we, all lo- we all loved picking unusual songs. And uh, Frank would uh, Frank brought some unusual songs yeah. to us and things that we found fun fun to do and kind of wacky, kind of different. Um, we didn't end up with a hit with them. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but, but we had a good, good time doing time, those songs. A good time singing those songs because they were different. Yes, you know they were different. But the one the one love song that we did love was saving all my love for you. What what is it? Oh, now I was going to ask about saving all my love for you. I know that you guys had that first before Whitney Houston did. Yes, yes, we did. Yeah, and yeah, like how how did you guys come across that song? Oh my gosh, Michael Master wrote the song, and right. and oh gosh, now now you got me you got me on that one. I'm I don't remember how that song was brought to us. Do you remember? 
Yeah, I think I think we ran into Michael Massa. Okay. And, somewhere, and, and he wanted to produce us. And he wanted and, us to uh, yes. do the song. And yeah. he wanted us to do that that song and another song that I did. I forgot the name of it. It's so long. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, the song was uh, My Reason to Be oh, Is You. Oh, My Reason to Be Is You. Yes. Is, okay. is on, on the oh, no, two, that's Frank's song. That's Frank's song, yeah, that's Frank's on, the, song. on the two of us album. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We always thought that that would be that was one of the greatest love songs that we had recorded. Yeah. You know, but saving all my love for you. Wow. Yeah. We we went into the studio with Michael and and uh, Whitney. Whitney turned that song out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. To say did. the least. To say the yeah, least. Yeah. She did a beautiful job yeah. on that. Yeah. Well, she, of course, you know, it, it. Of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Marilyn Monroe. I guess around 82, 83, replaced Dion Warwick as the host of Solid Gold. I was waiting for Solid Gold. Uh, Thank you. I knew he was going there. Okay. Solid Gold. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, could you, was, could you talk childhood. about the experience of how, how that came to be? And, I mean, you know, that was such a, a legendary show. And at the time when you were hosting, practically any artist worth their weight in gold, I mean, <laughs> Even Prince, who's notorious for snubbing shows, like had to do Solid Gold twice. Yeah. So, what, wow. what was that whole experience like? I enjoyed it. Uh, of course, Dion did it for the first year, and right. uh, and she and well, actually, let's see, Dion and um, also Andy Gibb. It was Dion and Glenn Campbell that that mm -hmm. did, did. I think they did the first, the first year. The first. I don't even first. think they did the first year. I think they did the. I think they they introduced the show, but then mm. I don't know what happened with with Dion and Glenn, but but uh, Dion ended up hosting the first right. year, right? And then um, after that, I, I don't I don't know the inner workings because I came in um, after all of that was going on, and uh, the producers had decided that they wanted to and they wanted Andy Gibb, right, to be the um, to be the host. And okay. then they thought about combining, they liked the idea of, of uh, Dion and Glenn. They liked the- the, um, uh, the, the Male and female. Right. Right, male, male female. And um, right. anyway, uh, so they auditioned me with, with, um, with Andy and they liked the combination. And so I ended up doing that first year with, with Andy. And, and they liked it, uh, but at, at the end of the first year, Andy, moved on, he was having some issues. Right. And so then uh, I ended up doing this. I don't need to take you through each. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, that's, okay. I get it. We're here for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Rick Smith and I co-hosted the show this next year. The year Rick Smith I, or Rick Dees? No, no Rex, 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 Rex. Oh, Rex, Rex you're right, Smith. Rex Smith. Rex I totally Smith. forgot about that, okay. okay. Until later. Until later. Yeah. Right. So then Rex and I did it the second year. And then the third year, uh, they were trying to decide who who I should uh, work with on the third year. And then they decided that that, that they would just go with me. Wow. And so then I, I was I was with a solid goal for those next three years. That's the only years I remember. Yeah, the only <laughs> years I watched, yeah. Well, because y'all were children, <laughs> babies. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> What was this? What was the scheduling uh, into? Because, I mean, because they were celebrating the charts, 
was it all year round or was it like seasonal? Yeah, it was it was seasonal. We would mm. we would do the shows. Uh, we would do we would uh, tape every other week, and uh, we would go with the charts and what was big at that time. And uh, we would we would tape Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and mm-hmm. then uh, then the following week would be off. I'd go out and work. Billy and I would go out and work, mm-hmm. and uh, then I'd come back and and we'd do some feature the next okay. the songs that were popular then. And that was ah, the I see. Yeah. So, but it was basically just, it was a good experience in, in doing that. I enjoy that a lot because, I'm, uh, like you said, everybody came on right. and did the shows. And, you know, you're, 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 see- I remember when Madonna came on. Right. And of course, I remember Prince being there. Right. And yeah. that was, that was, uh, I don't, I didn't get a chance to really spend any time with Prince because he's kind of, he was kind of shy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but still it was, it was a lot of fun. And the dancers of course were, were just amazing. Yeah. I was going to say, how nice was Darcel Wayne? Darcel- she was sort of like a unicorn in that, you know, probably next to Cheryl song on soul train. Darcel Wayne was probably the most popular dancer on solid gold, but you never heard of anything I've heard in the press or anything. So it's just like this woman with this beautiful long hair on the show. And then I, I didn't hear much from her afterwards. Like, was she, well, you know, well, what was Darcy she like? Still out there. She's yeah, dancing. Right, and right. Um, she, I don't, I haven't seen Darcelle in, in quite a while, but she okay. was, she was, uh, she was a pleasure to work with and she was just beautiful. Yes. Just yeah. an awesome to watch. I mean, her dancing was just amazing. And uh, it was, I, I enjoyed the experience. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it too, because I got a chance to be on the show quite a few times myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the advantages. Yes. <laughs> we would, we, Billy would come on and we would sing our duets oh, together. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Right. I always right. enjoyed that. Yeah, it, it should also be noted that um, Casper, the even even though Jeffrey Daniels sort of gets the glory for teaching Michael Jackson how to do the moonwalk, moonwalk uh, it was it was actually Casper uh, who was a, a dancer on Solid Gold that really you know taught Michael the aesthetics on how to do the moonwalk. He was also oh, wow. okay. is that right? Okay, well, oh my God. I didn't even know that. Wow. I yeah, am I'm, so impressed I'm, I'm, I'm by your knowledge of, of, of the useless, solid gold dancers. This is I'm amazing. I'm a wealth of useless knowledge right now. <laughs> <laughs> right now? <laughs> <laughs> like this moment right now? A wealth of knowledge. <laughs> o- only for this specific moment. Uh, <laughs> no. So I also wanted to know, I know that you guys uh, went, th- went through uh, to your gospel phase shortly thereafter. In, in the mid to late 80s and in the 90s. I recall, I, b- I believe you guys, uh, as the Fifth Dimension reunited, uh, what was like? What was that process uh, like in reuniting the group and how was it? There was a special moment, moment yeah. I think, that, would, that says it all. Okay. Uh, the first time we got back together, and we, we started talking about, we were gonna do this reunion tour. And we said, well, first of all, let's see where we are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we hadn't sung any harmonies together in, 
in many years. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, we had gotten away from that. So we weren't remembering the harmonies so, so well. Right. And so we got around the piano and they said, let's start out with up, up and away, mm -hmm. which yes. is unison. Mm -hmm. And everybody remembers that. And we started to sing, would you like to ride in my beautiful balloon? And our voices, oh, the blend, yeah. we all started looking at one another and saying, oh my gosh. That's right. It's still it there. Like, still got it. It was like we never walked away from each other. You know, it was it was the same sound. They say, wow, this is amazing, mm -hmm. you know? It was very, um, it was very emotional. And then the democracy started again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we started getting together and doing doing jobs, but it was set up the way we had it set up with the with the fifth dimension before we left. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, how how long did the reunion tour last for? What did we do? Two years, three years. Yeah, a couple of years. We yeah, did but, we did some performances together, and then. Uh, and Billy and I still had some some of our duet shows that we had to do. Mm -hmm. And Florence and Lamont and Ronald uh, had two other members in the group, and they right. had their performances. So they, you know, they had bookings, we had bookings. Mm -hmm. But then we would come together and uh, do some original. We we would call it the original Fifth, Fifth Dimension. Dimension. Yeah, and, oh, okay. um, and work for different companies, and and yep. uh, they would it was considered like a very special yeah. occasion to have the original fifth dimension. Right. Well, that, that, back. during that time, they called them corporate jobs. Yeah. You know, we, we played a lot of corporate jobs. Trust yeah. me, they, that still exists. <laughs> and it's, also, it's <laughs> also kind of dope that y'all could agree on that whole original dimension versus the other dimension and let them do their own thing. Yeah, I was going to say, was it weird for you to, to see... Because even way into the 80s, I kept seeing, you know, like Florence would have a, a another lineup long after Ron and, and Lamont left the group. Was mm -hmm. it kind of weird sort of seeing at least the name uh, still carrying on without mm -hmm. the four original members in the group for you guys? It was, yeah, yeah it was yeah, different. It, was kind of weird, it sounded different, yeah. you know, to us. I yeah, mean, to, right. the, to the audiences, it uh, was... To, to us oh. too. Huh? <laughs> I'll say it for you. It sounded weird to us too. So. <laughs> well, well, you know, not only that, we would when we would could, we would go and and, and see them and support them, and and be there for them. You yes. know. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Also, uh, we should mention what what was it like playing? Um, I'm I'm a big fan of the the, the original Jamie Foxx show. Yes, I know that. Yeah, oh. you guys were. Uh, Fancy's parents. His parents, yeah. Yes, we enjoyed that so much. That that was a that was a great group of people to be working with. Oh, yeah. the producers. Yeah. Jamie was delightful, and, and we we got a kick out of that. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You know, Jamie is so talented. My God, I mean, just to see him work and the stuff that comes off the top of his head. I mean, he's just yeah. he's a creator. Oh, you know, it, it just comes out of him. You know. Uh, uh, they yeah, might they, need a song for a special moment yeah. in the show and uh, so then they would say oh we need a song here and Jamie would go off somewhere and he'd come back and he'd have a song with a brilliant song yes mm -hmm. wow. Wow. yeah that's good so I'll I'll say that um, oh I'm sorry we got we got to mention Blackbird 
what what was the what was the um sort of the idea in in covering Lennon McCartney songs for uh the Blackbird project especially in light of when when it was and why it was released last year or this year well it came out uh well, it's just earlier this year. You recorded right. it last year, though. What, right. what, what was the significance behind, or at least the process in, in recording that, that uh, album? Well, uh-huh. our, um, our, produ- our management company, uh, we had been talking about a, uh, a project. A young man by the name of Nick Mendoza uh, mm-hmm. had been introduced to us, and, and our management a company thought that he would be a wonderful producer to to work with and now nick is a millennial producer yes so, a very young but right. he came to us with this with a very you know interesting knowledge of the two of, of us the, who we were our yeah. voices uh our sounds and and we, you know we started talking about ideas and we were very concerned and, and troubled by what's what's been going on in our country right. and uh we felt like if we're going to do something we want to do something that speaks to what is going on right, right, right now right. as we told nick how we felt and what we would love to do nick was very very much interested because he said well you know you guys are talking about the things that that people my age are worried about right you know about What's happening to our country, and why? You know, why are we so at odds? And and what's the why? What is the division about? Yes. You know, it's mm-hmm. not young people don't, don't they they haven't lived what we have lived, but they still want to know what it's all about. And uh, we had been doing Blackbird and and having the Beatles medley in our live show, right. and so we were familiar with the, with Blackbird and what it meant. Because uh, uh, Lennon and, and McCartney wrote it as a as a as a as a as an anthem, the civil rights anthem, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we decided, hey, let's let's this is really a a, 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 a movement, you know. Uh, it's a civil rights movement, is the way we looked at it, yes. you know. Because everybody everybody needs to know what's going on out here, you know. So right. we decided to go ahead and start doing putting Blackbird in, and we started listening to more of the Beatles songs, and started putting stories kind of like behind these each songs, like uh, 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 "Ticket to Ride" with uh, uh, Rosa uh, with Parks. Rosa Parks, man, when she wouldn't right she give give up a seat on the bus, and she 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 just you know, and and and, and her being uh, going to jail, and her husband waiting for her, you know, right. and you don't know the story about her husband. Mm, you really don't. No. That was another story, you know. So Blackbird is in 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 in, in the front of the album portrays all of the uh the the the, the people who were killed and and, and 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 just for no reason at all, you know, mm-hmm. just because of their color. And uh it's it, it's created a lot of division in our society and it's we just prayed that this album will be a healing project we're so we were so inspired and encouraged by the young people and how they were coming together and protesting yeah. together you know right. across racial lines across uh a, across cultural lines and we're saying that this is what 
our country needs. That's We've right. got to come together. We've got to draw together and make the statement understood and heard. And, and we just felt like we want, like you said, we wanted to make it like a movement. Mm. And that's right. what we have a human rights, a human rights movement. Well, congratulations for another number one album on the R&B charts. That's pretty, oh, pretty great. Pretty you. great. We're so awesome. excited about the response that we've been seeing because, I mean, you know, well, you know, at this age, for us to be doing this now is just amazing. Well, you know, it's your time. You, you had a lot to do with that, with with uh, with finding this this uh, footage. The footage, yeah. On Summer of Love, yeah. Just like you created a renaissance for us. Yes, you have. You know? I, but and I... And we thank you, man. You're a star. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I appreciate it. You're a star in our show. In, yeah. in your show, absolutely. No, I, I will say that um, probably, you know, one of the key scenes that that's in the movie um, that really touched people, like when they when they tell me how much they loved it, um, especially for uh, like fellow fellow black artists that I show it to. First of all, just watching you two watch it, I I couldn't have I couldn't have scripted it better. You know, it it couldn't have it couldn't have happened more pitch perfect, note perfect than your interview por- portion. Especially, you know, letting the sentiments be known how important playing that festival. Um, was and connecting with black audiences that otherwise might not have been familiar with you guys at the time. That's right. That's and right. how it really, really touched them. And I, I will say that you know I, I I should be thanking you because I mean, you know, it's it's the the footage itself is magic on its own, but you guys really humanized it and and really touched people's hearts with 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 your portion of of that movie and i you know i i thank you both wow for well, for doing that well, it, it was just, you know we, we were just doing it was such a special yeah special but, I mean, moment. What, what you put together was 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 yes. beautiful i mean that's that's the only way we can react to it i mean it's just what comes from the heart goes to the heart you know and so and we were so happy for you to win that yeah. grand jury prize oh, yes. from sundance yeah. the, at the festival it was yes just, we were just so excited that that happened, you know, because and and your premiere. This is your first directorial yeah, right, right. experience, yeah. and to yeah. come up with such a powerful, um, a, a, a powerful success like this, yeah. and we're just so excited for you. Uh, well, put it in flowers, man, somewhere for. But for over fifty years, years. years. And, yeah. and, 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 and all the stars that were on that footage is just. Yeah. yeah, I I ask myself that all the time, but you know, now now's the time. Like I I feel like you know it's fifty. You just years took late, a whole the- compliment. I am sitting here floored. <laughs> you did not you did not interrupt them. You let them tell you all tell you all the I'm, fabulous yes, things I'm, about you. You only looked uncomfortable just let them for know a second. I'm world famous for avoiding compliments. <laughs> I hate compliments. I'm sorry. Yeah, right, right. You're good. I I just got to take it, or else they'll tease me about it. Thank yes. You. <laughs> Flowers. Thank you. Flowers. Flowers. Wait, 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 before I wrap up, there's, there's, there is one question I got to ask, only because the, the sample is so famous. I know that, uh, Billy, you, you started your uh, own independent label sometime in the mid-70s, and uh, one of your clients, one of the la- uh, acts on the label was Jimmy Caster Bunch. 
Yes. What right. What was that? What was that experience like? Only because on that particular album, uh, just begun was a famous. Uh, well, no, 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 not just begun. On uh, hurt the butt. Or was it? No, uh, uh, Kanye's. Uh, I want to know first song, the first song on graduation. Graduation. Uh, uh, good morning. It's, it's 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 the intro. Yeah, it's it's uh, oh, it's Jimmy Caster's cover of. I just uh, want to stop uh, uh, by uh, Gino Vanelli. Oh, uh, I just I right. Just it's but it. yeah, it's it's on the label that and tell uh, you how Billy I feel headed. About it. What uh-huh. what is yeah? What was uh, working with Jimmy Castor like during that period, and what made you want to start your own label during that period? Well, it was I'm, I've always wanted to produce and 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 and, and create my own kind of uh, way in life, and and. Uh, and at that particular time, uh, uh, Jimmy's sister Linda was working working for our company, you know. Oh, okay. And she, was us, she was telling us about Jimmy, and uh, and when we met him, it, it was like it was like family. I mean, he was just a regular guy loving his music, and you know. So we just we just got into it and say, let's get busy with some music, you know. Ah, and, I, see. And, you know, I see. Everything that you hear on that album, this that's all Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. it is. Well, you know, you guys, I mean, it goes without saying that you guys are, are a class act. And I really, 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 really thank you for uh, giving us your time and coming on the show. And um, I, I just love you guys to death. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 a, I'm a, a genuine fan of the group. For and real. I, well, you thank know, you. You, you know, guys are an inspiration also, especially you know, in a time period. which How you're, you're such a serious historian. Yes. Right. That is your heart. And, you know, when you meet somebody like that, you want to share with them all the knowledge that you have to to, you know, to contribute to uh, the to your. (laughs) (laughs) Now now I'm avoiding the compliments. The compliments are all below. (laughs) (laughs) Messing us up, you know. I'm not a historian. I'm just a really, really, really big <laughs> Billy Davis and Ronald McCoo fan. Nice. No, I thank you guys for it. And, um, you know, much continued success. I, I, okay, maybe my last question is, what do you want the legacy of Billy Davis and Merlin McCoo to be? Wow. Our legacy. Well, you know, I, for me, I, I, I know... It's just that people coming together and, and just being who we are to one another, not not being putting on or, or trying to be more than what we are. Just 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 be who you are, right. and just people coming together at, on one accord. You know, if we can just do that and 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 and, and have our human rights, yes. that would be a, a, a legacy for me. Before I leave here, wow, that's hey, we that's a mic drop right yeah, there. Yeah, I just about to say drop it. That's a mic drop right there. <laughs> well, thank you very much for doing the show. I love and appreciate you guys. Uh, on behalf of Laia and Unpaid Bill and Sugar Steve and Fontigolo, this Quest Love. I cannot believe I got to talk to Billy Davis and Marilyn McCoo. Thank you very <laughs> yeah. much. This is Quest Love Supreme. We'll see you on the next go round. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. All right? Peace.
Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.